Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, No More Wars. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1. Now, here is our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Once were not a people. Once we were rebels. Once we were against your law, your government. Once we desired to break away from you. Once we thought you were our enemy. But thank you, O oh God, for causing us to kiss your son. Thank you for enabling us to surrender completely to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because you have given us understanding. We understand that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That the kingdom of God is eternal life. And we thank you for giving us eternal life. Thank you for making us sons and daughters of God, people who were before rebels, sinners, enemies of God. Lord, we pray that if there are people here this morning still living in rebellion and stubbornness, have mercy upon them, enable them, O Lord, to surrender themselves to this good rule of Jesus Christ that they may come to enjoy the law of the Lord, to delight in the law of the Lord, to hear and embrace the word of the Lord, which is spirit and which is life. Have mercy upon them, have mercy upon us. O God, may we think your thoughts this morning, for we pray in Christ's name, amen. We are preaching from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah means the Lord is salvation. Isaiah. We want to consider the second chapter of Isaiah, the first five verses. No more war. Isaiah is seeing in his vision a time of universal peace, a time there will be no more war. Isaiah and his younger contemporary, Micah, were given in the 8th century BC a vision of a true utopia, a time of future universal peace. And we read about it in Isaiah 2, as well as in Micah 4, 1 through 3, almost verbatim. So this universal peace, it is to take place in the last days. Look at verse 2. In the last days. And it will be centered in Jerusalem, where God dwells. When you study the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, the Bible speaks of a future period that is of far greater blessing than the present time, but that still falls short 
of the eternal state and the blessings of the eternal state. And you can read such chapters as Isaiah 11, Zechariah 14, Psalm 72, and so on. According to a number of theologians, it will be the period of the millennium. We read about this period of millennium in the 20th chapter of Revelation, verses 1 through 6. When Satan will be further bound and will be prevented from deceiving the nations anymore for 1,000 years. Jesus Christ is now reigning in heaven. But during this 1,000 years, Jesus Christ will be reigning on earth. And we are told that we will reign with him. Nations will come under the rule of Christ. And it will be a time of universal peace. When according to Isaiah 11 and verse 9, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, number one, when is this going to take place? In the last days, verse 2, in the last days. People like Hal Lindsay, you heard of him, author of the late great planet Earth, stupidly calculated the period to begin in 1988. According to his speculations, the rapture was to take place in 1981. And uh, Christ was going to come with the saints in 1988. I think he missed this uh, time. Millions of copies of the books were sold and he made a lot of money. From gullible people. The church is full of them. You see, people don't want to think. They are into these gurus who sensationalize. And we are into sensationalism. We don't want to really study the Bible, which is hard work, and we want sensationalism. There is another guy by name Harold Camping, and from the Reformed background. There are all, all kinds of cooks are there. The gullible still follow Hell Lindsay and other cooks their speculations. According to scripture, the last days began with the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the first coming of Jesus Christ. In one sense, Jesus Christ brought about universal peace by his death on the cross. That means that all peoples, Jews and Gentiles, can now receive the peace of God that passes all human understanding. He is the Prince of Peace. All people now can experience peace by trusting in Jesus Christ alone. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Remember the heavenly host praised God in Luke chapter 2 singing, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Wise men from the east, Gentiles, came to worship him. This peace which Jesus Christ inaugurated will continue even after the second coming of Christ, when he will begin his rule on earth for thousand years. It will be a time of greater peace on earth than unlike today. There shall be no more wars. There shall come to pass and come to exist a true utopia. Take a look at chapter 2 and uh, verse 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. Verse 3. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Verse 4. He will judge between nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation. Nor will they train for war anymore. That is what we are talking about. So it is in the last days. And the last days we don't know when. And we are not here to speculate. And make money off of gullible people. But we are told, secondly, the, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be raised up above the hills. It will be chief among all mountains. The temple of Solomon was built on Mount Moriah, where Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac. That whole complex, we were there several times, that whole complex was later known as Zion. And Isaiah especially uses the word Zion many, many, many times. Mountain in the Bible often represents authority, government. The divine revelation is that Zion will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills. In other words, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the Messiah will be supreme and preeminent. And all nations will stream into it. Nations, in other words, will be subject to the Messiah's rule and instruction. Zion will be raised so high, so all will recognize its supremacy and subject themselves to it. Even now, the true church is pictured by Jesus Christ as a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, the light of the world. Not all submit to the Lord Jesus Christ today. But Isaiah sees a time when all nations stream to Zion to be instructed in the truth of the Messiah. 
In the last days, not Mount Olympus will be established and raised high. No, it will be Mount Zion. In the last days, there shall be no diversity or religious pluralism. The nonsense of the equal validity of all ideas will not exist. Only truth of the Messiah will be valid. The rock of God's kingdom will strike upon all kingdoms of the world. And it will become a huge mountain. And will fill the whole earth as Daniel speaks in his prophecy, chapter 2 and verse 35. Or what Isaiah says in Isaiah 9, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Or as Psalmist says in Psalm 72, verse 11, all kings will bow down to him, and all nations will serve him. In other words, as we read in Psalm 2, they will all come and kiss the sun. The third thing we look at is the streaming of the Gentiles, the coming of the Gentiles from all the world. Notice verse 2, the last line, and all nations will stream into it, said, interesting picture. Nations are seen great waters, and we are told these waters are going to flow up <laughs> into Mount Zion. And verse 3, many peoples will come and say, many peoples. We are talking here uh, especially about the Gentiles. You see, God has a plan for the Gentiles, in Abraham, it was God's plan that all the people's families of the earth be blessed. So notice then they are all streaming, flowing into the Middle East, into the mountain of the Lord. In the last days, when the mountain of the Lord's temple is established and raised up by the rule of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Nations, Gentiles, will stream to Zion. Many peoples will come to Zion. They will come freely and voluntarily. They will come with great desire and delight. They will not go to famous universities of the world. The center of true learning will be Jerusalem. They all will come eagerly. How can, the question is, how can sinners come to Christ on their own? Well, they are not going to come on their own. They will be drawn by the Father. They will be drawn by Christ who said, if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. They will be drawn by the Holy Spirit. They will come away from their life of sin and self-sufficiency and superstition of idolatry. They, they are sick and tired of it. There is coming a day when these people are saying, 
Uh, we are sick and tired of superstition and idolatry and stupid philosophies of professors of the universities. We are sick and tired of eating gravel. We want to hear truth. And they would say, we have been superstitious. We have been serving idols of lies. But we no more serve idols. We deserve to know. And we desire to know the truth. We desire to worship the true and living God. Many peoples will come to Jerusalem as the wise men of the East came to worship baby Jesus. They will come like Ruth who said, your God is my God. Your people, my people, where you live, I live. Where you die, I die. Don't tell me to go back to my people and to my gods. You are told here they will come to Mount Zion, they will come to the temple, they will come to the God of glory, high and lifted up in holy majesty. They will come willingly, and spontaneously. Now the question then is, uh, why are they coming? <laughs> Don't they have any condominiums in Lake Tahoe or other beautiful spots on the face of the earth? <laughs> yeah, they are sick of it. They are tired of it. They are tired of materialism. They are tired of all the pleasures of this world. They are tired of worldliness, emptiness. They are all flatulence. They have nothing. Let me tell you while I am at it. It's an amazing thing. While they are coming. Turn to verse 6. You have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. You see, it's an amazing thing you see today. <laughs> People from the church, they are, they, are, you know, they are sick and tired of Christ and God's word and God's truth. And they are going east. It's an amazing thing. I saw one man coming to me and saying, I don't, I'm not interested in the Bible or in Jesus Christ. Oh, they are, he's full of superstition. He's full of new knowledge. His head is swelling. He's very bright. He said, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. And you see, but the picture here is the nations are streaming into the center of truth. While God's own people are going after superstitions. If that is what you are doing, I, I pity you. I pity you. Why do they come to him? That's the question. Take a look at it. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. He will teach us his ways. They desire his teaching. They hunger and thirst after righteousness. They desire to be taught truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They recognize that Jesus alone is truth. They are sick and tired of all gods of lies, all human philosophies. They want truth. Truth is Jesus. Jesus is in Jerusalem, so they stream to Jerusalem. Remember three times a year, the Israelites were to come to Jerusalem to worship God and to be instructed by God. 
Now this is what these people are going to do. They are going to come to Jerusalem. The Gentiles, a multitude of Gentiles, they will come to hear the truth. As I said, it was God's plan that in Abraham all the families of the earth be blessed. Today people hate doctrine. And he said, are you going to the Grace Valley? Oh, they, they are in the Bible, you know. And they'll take a long time. Boy, they will exposit the Bible. And I hate doctrine. I hate truth. So I have found a church. They don't teach any truth. So I just go. I say goodbye. I pity you. But there is coming a day when Gentiles will come for doctrine. Truth. Oh, you, you are reading the big volume on the doctrine of God by Professor Frame. A doctrine, uh, the book on systematic theology by Grudem, by Professor John Murray and uh, John Calvin and all that. Oh, it's a rare thing today. Anybody picking up a book on doctrine, they hate it. I don't want to listen to darkness. Oh, there is coming a day when Gentiles will flow into the center of doctrine. They want to learn doctrine of God, doctrine of sin, doctrine of atonement, doctrine of hell, doctrine of judgment, doctrine. Doctrine in reference to the person and work of Jesus Christ. I want doctrine, Pastor. Don't give me sensation and feeling and stories and monkey business. I received a letter from a, a, a friend of mine, an old man. And he knows how to manipulate, and he said, the story of so-and-so, the story of so-and-so, the story. He knows people like what? Stories. Can you imagine somebody teaches on television the, the Word of God? They don't want that. Stop, tell me a story, itching ears. Massage people with itching ears. Mindless people, they don't want doctrine. So he had story, and I just opened it and put it in the garbage. It had an envelope in it. I put that too in the garbage. Story. Story. I'm sick of story. Tell me the old, old story. I want to listen to the old, old story. There is coming a day then. People from the world will stream into the center of truth and they will demand, we want truth. We want truth. We want doctrine. Preach to us about the doctrine of God, doctrine of righteousness, doctrine of justification, doctrine of sanctification, doctrine of heaven, doctrine of hell. Teach me, please. Be hunger and thirst for doctrines. You're sick and tired of the speculations and lies of superstitions. But we want to ask the question, but why are they studying doctrine? Is it to get a degree or to impress some people that you could print cards and say, doctor, doctor? Is it because of intellectual curiosity, doctrine for doctrine's sake? I oppose dead orthodoxy. Doctrine must be learned so that it will lead you to ethics. There is a vital linkage between doctrine and what? Ethics. So listen to this. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob. That's the center of truth. 
He will teach us his ways. And now what's the purpose of it? That we may walk in his paths. Psalm 23 tells us he leads me in the paths of righteousness. They desire to be taught by the Messiah. They desire doctrine. So the next point is that they may walk in his paths. Ethics. And we are, we, we are interested in doctrine and ethics in this church. We not only teach doctrine and we will say, how are you living? Uh, how is your relationship with your wife? How are the children? And we had a man who didn't want to work and uh, he was living off of his wife and we said, no, you have to support your wife. And if you don't do it, you are worse than an unbeliever. He, did, he said, I don't want to work. He still is not working. That's what people want. Don't ever tell me. First of all, don't teach me doctrine. Tell me stories. Speak to me illusions. Tell me how great I am. How nice I am. But if you are going to teach doctrine, don't you apply it to my life. So look at it. It is written here. He will teach us his ways that, so that that's a purpose. Purpose coming from the hearts of Gentiles who lived a life of dissipation and lies and self-fulfillment and pleasure and materialism and self-devotion and worshipping their own belly buttons all these years and now they say, no, 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 we are sick of that. Didn't help me, tell me the doctrine of God that we may walk in his paths. And they want to learn doctrines in order to live an ethical life, meaning an obedient life. They desire to obey Jesus Christ. They are true disciples. A disciple is one who hears and what? Does, does, not just hears. Hears and does. And if you are a pastor of any reputation, you should be unafraid to apply that truth and even dare to ask, how are you doing, son? How is your magic? What's going on? How are the kids? Yes, how are they doing? Mr. Husband, are you teaching anything at all? Mr. Husband, do you work? Make a dime once in a while? They desire to obey Jesus Christ. They are true disciples. They want to hear and do. They are true converts. You see, true converts to Christianity, they are marked by obedience. Obedience to the truth. If you do not obey doctrines of Jesus, you are not a Christian. It is all imagination in your head. A true Christian is known by his ethics, how he lives. He is the light of the world, salt of the earth. He is called out of darkness into the marvelous light. He is different. He is holy. He is separate. He is God's people. The center of knowledge is Jerusalem. The rule of Jesus is a word-based rule. 
a truth-based rule, a doctrine-based rule. Notice it says the word of the Lord goes out of Zion. No wonder Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, salvation is of the Jews. It goes out of Zion. In other words, if you look at it, Jerusalem is the source of knowledge. Jesus Christ is the source of knowledge. He is truth. But let me tell you something. Unless you come, he cannot teach. Unless he teaches you, you cannot live. Unless you come, you cannot be taught. Unless you are taught, you cannot live a life pleasing to God. And you notice in Acts chapter 2, while Peter was preaching, people from a good number of nations came. And they heard the doctrine of salvation. From that time on, people are coming to be taught of God's truth. God draws them, they come, they are taught, they live a life that is holy and happy in that order. And if you, are, you are, if you are not happy, you are not living that life. So by God's mercy you have come, by God's mercy I have come. What a blessing it is. I don't know about you. Many more will come in the future. And I'm saying biblical truth triumphs over all superstitions. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Very important passage. It is applicable to us and to all God's people. Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning with verse 5. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? You should consider yourself to be blessed people to have a book in your hand. And I lie down and I memorize scriptures and I, when I couldn't go to sleep I begin to recite it. Turn the television off. Yeah, we are a blessed people to whom God has given us his word. And turn off that 24-7 nonsense of idiots on the television. They are all idiots. Now look at chapter 2. Who is this he is not named here, this Messiah, but you will see him chapter 7, chapter 9, and chapter 11, and all these chapters. He is the child, the virgin born. He is the son. He is the everlasting God. He is the prince of peace. He is the wonderful counselor. And he is the branch. He is the shoot that comes out of the stump of the Davidic covenant. He is a great king and he is also the suffering servant. But let us look at this Jesus. 
you know, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, the romanticized Jesus. No, no, no. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. Look at him. He, verse 4, will judge between the nations. In other words, he is the supreme judge, Jesus Christ. All nations will be subject to the Messiah. There will be disputes still. They all come to the supreme judge, Jesus Christ, to settle their disputes. The Supreme Court will not consist of nine judges. Just one supreme judge. Jesus Christ. Here is a judge that is greater than Solomon. Jesus himself said one who is greater than Solomon is here. Here is a judge who is God man. Here is a judge who is the Lord of all. Here is a judge who is wisdom incarnate. Here is a judge filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed to rule. Turn to Isaiah 11. Let me read it to you. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. Or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He is the supreme judge and the nations will come. Peoples will come. They want him to settle their disputes and he will. And he will judge all righteously. There is a day coming when the word of the Lord shall be exalted, honored and obeyed. His decisions will be final. Even today the word of the Lord is to judge and decide all matters. If you are a Christian. You are to live by his decision. Which we find in the word of God. If you are husband and wife you are to live by his decisions. His decisions. Which is in the word of God. If you are parents and children you are to live by his decisions. Which are written in the very word of God. The affairs of the church are to be settled by his decisions. And in the church there is a court. There is a session. God's authorities rule and judge and interpret and make decisions. Go home and read 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 5, Matthew 18. We are not to go to the courts outside of the world. We live by the word of God. Decisions. You ought to come and say, Pastor, brother, sister, tell me what the Messiah is speaking about this situation. And there will be a decision. And then you say, thank you. That's what I want to observe and to do. And your wife come to us and say, my husband refuses to work. And he is sitting at home and playing computer games. And he is waiting for me to take care of him. Please have the court to say something about it. And we will invite him. Appear before the court. And we will tell them what the good book is saying. And go through the process. And if he listens fine. If he is not. He is put out because he is not subject to the Messiah's rule. 
But there is coming a day when the pagans of the world will come and they want to hear the word of God and the decisions of Christ. And they would say, we will live by his decision. The Gentiles by the millions will delight in God's word and in the judgment of the great king of the earth. The last point I want to say is there is going to be a universal peace. Take a look at it. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take a sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. No more military academy, naval academy, air force academy, no more defense budget. Swords and spears shall be recycled to make agricultural implements. No more wars anywhere on planet Earth. No more wars. No more drafts so you don't have to go to Canada. And a lot of people came to, to study at the seminary, and the reason was they wanted to avoid draft. When the draft was over, they went back to wherever. I think the security companies will be out of business. You need not lock the doors anymore. Theocracy of Christ will guarantee peace and safety throughout the world. Universal peace <laughs> is not going to come through United Nations, which has become a place of bunch of small-time dictators telling you what to do. Neither will peace come through an undisputed superpower. Universal peace, which this world has never experienced, will come through submission of all people to the one true and living God, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So Isaiah sees a time when people abandon their idols and superstition and submit to the God of Jacob. No more cults, no more false religions, no more diversity, no more religious pluralism. Truth alone shall prevail. King Jesus shall rule the whole earth from Jerusalem. Satan cannot deceive nations. No more wars. There shall be universal peace. And not only that, this text tells us people will forget how to wage war. All hostility is dealt with under Messiah's universal rule. Turn to chapter 11 of Isaiah. Let me read from verse 5. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain from the earth, for the earth, now finally, for the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. So now, Isaiah finally uh, draws this conclusion. There is a conclusion here, verse 5. 
And let's give you the conclusion of the whole matter. The idea here is, if this is what's going to happen, if the Gentiles are running away from their idols and superstition and stupid philosophies and cults and all stupid religions, making their way into Jerusalem to be taught by the Messiah, how much more you people of God should walk in the light of the Lord. Because just like I'm seeing, Isaiah also saw the people of God were going after superstitions, after idols. As I just read to you, they are fascinating. Baal worship, fertility cult, Moloch worship, throwing their children into the fire for Moloch. And so Isaiah sees this and say, what is it? Come, O house of Jacob, you have the light of God, you have the Bible, you have the word, you have the decree. Be stirred and spurred and encouraged by this revelation that one day all the world is going to come to listen to the truth of God's word. Why not you value it, embrace it, desire it, walk in the light of it. You are the light of the world, salt of the earth. City on a hill that should not be hidden. Let your light shine. Don't cover it under a bushel. Let people see it. Be a witness for God in this world. That is what you have the truth. Declare it. Be ye my witnesses. That's the idea. Walk in the light of the Lord. Now, the word is spirit. The word is life. You have it. O house of Jacob, church of Christ, you have it. Walk in the light of it. You have doctrine, but live that doctrine. Don't ever think doctrine is to be separated from ethics. That's what it is. It is only when you do that you become a witness to the people around you. And they begin to stream into the church even now. Or let me apply this way. When an unbeliever comes to the church and repents and trusts in Jesus Christ and is baptized, you who are born in the church should be stirred, inspired, and say, you know, I've been sleeping all these years. I want the love God. Rather than forget about it. That is the application here. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let me tell you what's going to happen to you if you are a true Christian, according to the Bible. Let me read it to you if you are a Christian. Jesus Christ speaks in Revelation chapter 2, and this is what he says. Verse 26, chapter 2, verse 26 and 27. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. In other words, you and I are going to reign with Jesus Christ. Or turn to Revelation 20, verse 4, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. You are going to reign with Jesus Christ. Or look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. St. Paul himself understood this. Let me read to you 
from chapter 6. If any of you have a, has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? Do you have any idea what your destiny is going to be? Reign with Jesus Christ. And if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, I urge you, kiss the Son. Surrender to him completely. He will save you. He said, come unto me, I'll give you rest. He will save you. He's the only Savior. But if you are a Christian and somewhat bored by the word of the Lord, listen to what Isaiah says. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for this word that speaks to us of a utopia produced by you. A time when your son will reign on this earth <laughs> and we will reign with him. And nations will stream to him. They will come and say, please teach us your ways. We want to walk in your paths. We are sick and tired of idolatry, superstition, vain philosophies. And they will be taught and they will walk, O oh God. Help us, O oh Lord, therefore in the present. Help us to walk in the light of the Lord. Help us to live a holy life that we may be happy. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.